eye, especially coming out of the West. Joe Theismann. I was shocked like everybody else. I didn't see it coming. All of a sudden, he's at LSU. New York Giants cornerback Adoree Jackson. The outside noise can't really get into the ship. It's like being in the submarine. Aiden Hutchinson, Heisman finalist. What was it like to hang out with C.J. Stroud and not chase after him? Yeah, last time I was with him, <laughs> I was giving him a lot of hugs. Uh, yeah. <laughs> the biggest names in sports come here. It all starts with Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max at 6 Eastern and continues all day. This is ESPN Radio. You're listening to ESPN 100.3 FM, KLRZ, La Rose, New Orleans, and the River Region. It's the Sports Hangover with Gus Kattengill. Hello, sports fans. Well, hello there. Local sports, national sports. The GCAT has got you covered. Oh, you made a wise choice, my friend. Time to tee it up and let it fly. It's the Sports Hangover with Gus Kattengill. Pelicans in action tonight, taking on the Orlando Magic. Six-point favorites for the Birds. At least that's what it was to start the day. I will double-check to see if that has changed or not. As Nikhil Alexander-Walker has been placed on the COVID protocol list, Jonas Valanciunas did not make the trip non-COVID-related illness. So he's not with the team as... The Pels will be down both of those players. 6 o'clock tip time, early tip, 5.30 pregame. And New Orleans still a six-point favorite against Orlando. The Magic 7-25 and now, as the graph said. They beat Atlanta last night. Beat Atlanta last night. Pelicans 11-21. and Winners of three straight, looking for a fourth straight win. Looking for a fourth straight win. So we can talk about that, Pels fans, if you'd like here a little bit. Also... We can touch on the Saints and the story of the day. It, it, it looks like Ian Book will be your starter as Taysom Hill and Trevor Simeon are on the COVID list. I want to hear from you, Saints fans. Do you do, do you feel more confident than you normally would? Let me put it to you that way. Based off of this season, would you feel are you feeling more confident than you normally would that the Saints can somehow find a way to not only be competitive, but maybe even win on Sunday. I mean, on Monday. Like, I legitimately am not freaking out. I mean, based off of what I've seen this season so far on the Saints offense, I, I can't be worse. They have no passing game. We saw that last week. You have not had a healthy offensive line. I, I think when the injury report comes out today, I will be happier or more hopeful if I see Teron Armstead and also, you know, Ryan Ramchek back at practice. That'd be nice. In the same time, you are starting somebody that has zero experience at quarterback. But you have Alvin Kamara. But you're, you know, you're at a disadvantage. But at the same time, what we've seen this this staff do is put together a game plan that gives you a chance. The defense, hopefully, if no other names are on the list by Monday, should still be intact. Again, we haven't seen anything like that. The, the fear, though, is that it, there could be more names. There could be more names. Now, yesterday, we played some Callaway, what he had to talk about, and uh, Taysom Hill. Who again sounded great yesterday? He, I, I mean, like I wouldn't have, you know, thought anything or, or heard anything. wasn't coughing or had the sniffles or anything that I can decipher in, in his chats. He had this to say about Cam Jordan, though, being the team's nominee for the Walter Payton Man of the Year award. Each team submits a nominee, and it's Cam Jordan this year for the second time in his career. I, I don't think that there's anyone more deserving um, on our team, and. Uh, I think when you come in the NFL as a, as a young player, you kind of you find vets to look up to and see how they manage, you know, the stress of football and you know managing your time with family and off the field stuff. And Cam's been one of those guys that just seems to do it all. Um, and so I, I would say all of those qualities are, are things that. You try to emulate as a, as a young player, find ways to give back, and he's he's found uh, the right way to manage his time to make sure he's giving back to the community and 
um, I, I appreciate, I really appreciate his example of, of doing that and, uh, showing people in the locker room how to do that. As for Cam Jordan, he was asked yesterday about being nominated and its importance to him. To be nominated a second time for the WPMOI, for the, the Saints, uh, that's huge. Um, that's a blessing. That's a nod of, uh, you know, acknowledgement of the work that I'm doing in the community. Uh, and to me, that's, you know, if, when I f- first heard it, initially I was like, it's not going to stop me from doing my work, but if anything, it's going to add on to it. Because, I mean, this this gives like an extra light onto um, sort of the social justice reform that, that Crescent City Corps has, has been added on to uh, with the, you know, their, their training of the NOPD officers that have been a part of their now two cohorts um, and looking forward to the future for, for that. Uh, it's, a, it's a nod to the... Uh, relief work we did earlier this year uh, for for Hurricane Harvey, um, teaming up with United uh, United Way. It's always going to be a, an ability to uh, sort of put a spotlight on one of my favorite inner city uh, youth programs, YEP, which is the Youth Empowerment Program. Um, so, you know, if you would have asked me this for my first uh, first nomination, I was like, I don't want the cameras around. Um, now that I'm older, now that I'm a little bit wiser, I understand that even though I don't want the campers around, this helps put a highlight on some of the uh, great programs that I've been able to be a part of. Um, with my foundation, God is Love, it's just been uh, a blessing to even be able to be a part of community the way I have been uh, th- these last, I'd say, 11 years, but the last you know year, whatever it takes in consideration to be a part of uh, WPMOI. Um, I think that, you know, this prestigious, you know, Walter Payton Man of the Year Award uh, can go a long way with highlighting individuals and and their work that they're doing as well as beyond the individuals, the work that is being done. And I still think that there's so many other teammates that are still qualified. I mean, every time I look across the locker room and I see guys like Teron Armstead and Alvin Kamara and um, uh, Double D, Demario Davis and Malcolm Jenkins and the work that they do within their communities, that's re-inspiring. So it always just, it's a challenge to, to do more. Like it's a great, uh, it's a great, uh, nod, acknowledgement, but there's still so much more work that I can do and, and hopefully will be, will be doing, uh, in the future. Cam yesterday was also asked to look back at 100 sacks and the meaning to him for that. Yeah, I mean, the 100 sacks is a phenomenal, a phenomenal achievement, uh, you know, had I not just had 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 been told I was a run stopper my rookie year and only had one sack my rookie year, maybe I would have got here faster. But um, we're here now. You know, in my wildest dreams, I don't think I I thought about getting a hundred sacks when I first entered the league. You know, I probably had a third or maybe half as a goal. It was you know, if I could I could carve myself out a solid a solid career of you know. Seven to ten years, forty to fifty sacks, a couple Pro Bowls. I think that would have been a phenomenal feat for me because then I just wouldn't, you know, I would have, I wouldn't have had to consider myself a failure next to my dad. Um, <laughs> uh, but when it comes down to it, you know, to, to be a part of the Saints organization alone for this last eleven years has been a blessing. To you know, see the teammates I've I've had from Jimmy Graham to Drew Brees to Akeem Hicks, uh, you know. There's been so many phenomenal people that I've met from, you know, Sheldon Rankins, uh, Marcus Davenport, David Onyemata, uh, you talk about John Vilma, uh, AJ Klein, you know, James, James Laurinaitis, Manti Teo, uh, and that's just, that's just mostly defense. I mean, you talk about, you know, Robert Meacham, Marcus Colston, uh, you know, Chris Ivory, the, the Mark Ingram, uh, Saints lead rusher, Mark Ingram, um, everything that, the Saints have meant to me, it goes beyond just sacks. You know, it just goes, it goes to the teammates I've had, to the locker rooms I've been a part of, to who uh, I am now, to who I aspire to be. A hundred sacks is, is a phenomenal milestone personally, but beyond that, it's, it's that I've done to the same club. It's that I've had the interpersonal connections with the teammates that I've had that have, have really made, brought true meaning to a hundred sacks. There's just so much more that you don't see in the uh, personal accolade. It's interesting when you hear him speak like that, you really can't imagine trading him away or or, or not having him in this career here, huh? Especially when you hear him say how much he means for him. Now, obviously he understands. He'd be the first one to tell you business and the same thing on the other side. Matter of fact, he actually used that when he was asked towards the end of the availability yesterday about, 
do they talk about the fact that games might be canceled on? He goes, games are not. And he said, big business always wins. So he understands the business side of things. That said, he was frustrated or he was asked if he was frustrated about not being able to continue that streak of consecutive games due to COVID. There's no sense of pressure to play football. Um, you know, if you haven't, if you, if you haven't figured out by now, Kat, like I, I love this game. I mean, when it comes down to practice, it doesn't matter if it's a training camp or regular season. I mean, I love play, playing the game of football. Um, there's no pressure to play uh, unless I, I guess it's on myself. And I mean, I always want to play football. I, I mean, I go home and play with my son. You know, he wants to play tackle football now. Uh, in the off season, you miss you miss it. Like you know, you're like, oh, I can't wait to heal up in the off season. Two weeks in, you're like, can it be football season again? You know, like now you got spring training with baseball, which is fun if you like watching baseball. Um, you get to travel, which is cool because, you know, everybody likes to travel. But, again, two, three weeks in, you're like, damn, I just want to hit somebody. <laughs> I just want to I just want to put the pads on, be in the locker room, and, and know I'm going to war uh, with my teammates that have that have gone through hell, the hellfire of training camp with me. Um, so the answer would be there's no pressure. It's, it's only expectation to play because each one of these snaps could be one of my last snaps. Uh, so you got to be able to enjoy the moment, and I feel like I've I've played that way since high school ball, because you, you again you play football. We know it's a finite time that you have, so you better enjoy each and every second. And that said, he was asked yesterday, and I was talking a little bit about it with Mike Tripley when he was just on about he he knows, and you heard him say finite amount of time. He he has an idea. He knows how long he wants to play and be in already, and it's. It's not anywhere near like Brady, like Rogers, like twenty years in. You know, I feel like sixteen was a solid number. Another five years after that, that's super solid. We'll probably, you know, we'll reengage around then. I don't know if I've ever wanted to play twenty though. Like, there's nothing in me that says I'm going to be forty years old playing football. I come on. I I respect Whitworth. I respect Tom Brady, Drew Brees. Um, you know, half the half the kickers in, in the game. It won't be me. Forty will not. It better not be me. <laughs> um, you know, I, I just I feel like with the energy that I give this game, uh, everything that uh, I've been able to give this game, or, and everything the game has given to me, um, I've never taken it for granted. I've always enjoyed each moment that I've been here. Uh, so now I'm not being humble when I said 40, 50 sacks. My my rookie year again. I try and tell people I got drafted to play the four eye. I got drafted to play a three technique, and I worked my ass off to to become a defensive end and be, be uh, recognized as such. Um, so from one sack my rookie year to you know as high as 15 and a half sacks uh, one of these one of these years. You know, I, I I look back at it, and since then I don't think I've had a a, a season with less than. Well, now, let's call it less than seven and a half. I guess we still have time for this one. I don't want to knock on wood. I'm at six now. Would have been seven with the Josh Allen track. But it was a Quan, Quan Alexander interception. We won't talk about it. We're just going to move forward. You know, um, I, I just feel like uh, with, with each game and each step that we take forward, you know, it's it, it, during season, it's about the team. And then, again, in the off season, we'll talk about personal accolades. But for me, it's about – Loving each and every minute that I'm in this building, being able to work and do the job that I love. Damn, Jordan, when you go back and look at his career, as he mentioned, one sack in his rookie season in 2011, which was Greg Williams, by the way. So it was interesting. Several times yesterday he mentioned the fact that uh, he wasn't too happy that people saw him as a run stopper and not a pass rusher when he first got here. Eight sacks his second season. 12 and a half in 2013, 7 and a half in 14, 10 and 15, 7 and a half in 16, 13 in 2017, 12 in 2018, 15 and a half in 2019, 7 and a half last season. They're at six right now is the total 100 and a half sacks for his career, which started back in 2011. Quick break. When we come back, Marlon Favorites will join us. We'll talk to him about the weekend's games and his thoughts on the bowl games, especially with A&M having to get out of the Gator Bowl due to COVID. So we'll touch on that next with him. It's the Sports Hangover on ESPN New Orleans. You know Dasher and Dancer and Prancer and Vixen. 
Comet and Cupid and Dahmer and Blitzen But do you recall The most famous reindeer of all Rudolph the red-nosed reindeer Had a very shiny nose And if you ever saw it You would even say it glows All of the other reindeer Poker players know there's a difference at Cash Magic, a big difference. At your local Cash Magic Casino, you'll have fun playing the newest games while enjoying our fast and friendly VIP service. Cash Magic is my lucky place. They really do make you feel like a VIP. It's time to have fun, so let us make you feel right at home with our fast and friendly VIP service. Come feel the magic today at one of our nine Cash Magic casinos in Southeast Louisiana, including our two newest locations, Cash Magic Galliano and the Royal Flush in Homa, Louisiana's favorite place to play video poker, Cash Magic. You'll always be a VIP Cash Magic. Must be 21 or older. Valid ID required. Gambling problem 877-770-STOP. Energize your business with Bayou Black Electric Supply in Homa. When you're elbow deep in a job, the last thing you need is to lose time and money fetching electrical supplies. Bayou Black Electric will deliver your items to the job site. There's daily scheduled service throughout South Louisiana, Lafouche, Terrebonne, Morgan City, New Iberia, and Lafayette, plus the River Parishes, too. If you need parts, call Bayou Black Electric Supply, 985-223-8807, Highway 311 in Homa. Offshore workers are among the most important members of the Gulf Coast workforce. When a person working offshore or on a vessel is injured, the effects on their family can be devastating. At the King Firm, we are proud to have experience with these types of cases and make it a priority to see that our clients receive just compensation and are treated fairly. If you've been injured, don't play the game of claims with the insurance companies. Ring the King at 504-909-KING or 888-241-8766. He's back. He's like the thing that wouldn't shut up. He's got his own catchphrase. He's the best invention since they started frosting Pop-Tarts. Now back to The Sports Hangover with Gus Kattengau. At Big Fave 504 is the way to follow him over on Twitter. Uh, inside the trenches is the podcast and the way to always listen to him. Of course, Mondays and normally Fridays here on The Sports Hangover, but no show tomorrow. So we got him in today. Marlon, thanks for your time today. How are you? Man, all is well, Goose. Just uh, sitting here. It feels like Friday. It's funny you say that. Uh, today is Thursday. I, I you said that it just had that Friday vibe. Uh, I guess it, that's it how it is. With- yeah, yeah. I got last uh, la- last minute um, elf work to do uh, when I get to, I get off the show. <laughs> so, all of a sudden, it's like, oh, oh, I got a day or so left. Awesome. Um, Marlon, I just played a little bit of <coughs> Cam Jordan. Talking about his hundredth sack, and for him, he said the personal accolade was was special. But being that he's done it with one club, and then he went on and just named a bunch of teammates and things of that nature. And he said, "Look, I, I don't like the off season. I, I can't wait to get back into the locker room." Is that you hear that a lot from players when they call it a day that that's what they miss the most? Is that what you miss the most when you retired? Yeah, I, I miss the locker room, man. I miss being able to have football as that main job. Now, I'm fortunate enough to be in the business of broadcasting and this being a career, but it's the fact that it's a something that's considered or labeled a hobby, but you make it out of career. So it's a total different workscape. Like, the weirdest thing, Gus, was, getting in the real world and having to get, like, real jobs. Like, I remember when I first retired from the professional football, I was working with a facility maintenance company. It felt weird. I'm used to, you know, going to the job and, and shorts and a T-shirt and slippers and, you know, just going through the normal routine of getting mm-hmm. ready for practice. So it's an adjustment. And the first two, three years, like, once those guys actually retire, like the cams of the world who's, you know, to the tail end of his career, that's the first thing you're going to miss is that office, like the locker room being the office. I think one of the things as well that you look at when you think of Cam Jordan, I was asking this to Mike Tripp a little bit earlier today. 
we're, I mean, we've had some pretty special defensive players in New Orleans. Obviously, the Dome Patrol, Will Smith is one that I could think of as well. You've you just had some some guys that stand out when you think of Saints defense. Where is Cam Jordan in your mind? Cam, when you look at the Saints defense over, let's say, the past 30-plus years, you know, you bring in the Dome Patrol, Cam falls right in that top ten of defenders. I mean, you, you go through, you look at uh, Patrick Quillen, you look at Ricky Jackson, Sam Mills, okay, these guys are in the top top of, top five. And, and then you go through players who's consistently been with that one organization was able to grow. You know, you, know, you can look at some defensive players. Shoot, we can even throw Malcolm Jenkins in that category. You know, so over time, if you look at defenders, Cam, Cam falls somewhere in the top top 10, top 15, a guy who, and, and just, just me, you know, analyzing Cam and, and, and his game and what he brings to it, he, he's that player for the Saints. He's going to give you a consistent average of eight sacks a year. So that's like a sack every other game, which isn't the best, but it's, at least it's consistent. But I would say for Cam, and he would say, as a matter of fact, I want to say what he would say. He told me this before on Twitter. It was like when him and Junior Gallette were on opposite sides of each other. They really fed off of each other. That was his best years where he had, you know, 13, 14 sacks. Junior had 14, 15 sacks. You know, you look over the fabric, and, and for him to be on one team and, and be able to do what he did over the time, 100 sacks in, in, in basic 10, in 10 years, that, that's, that's 10 sacks a year. So, you know, that that's phenomenal for a defensive end in a 4-3. You know, you, you mentioned – with Junior helping out there, and I found something interesting he talked about after the game on Sunday, and in that he, or even really um, yesterday when he was talking about that that hundred sack performance and really where where he is at and what kind of season he's had, I want to play this for you because it's kind of along the lines of what you just said. He was asked Marlon if he was frustrated by the fact of how he started earlier this season. Remember, he didn't get like his first sack until after the bye week, right? I mean, it's been a while. But, but listen what listen how he answered it. No, I mean, it's, it's a season. If anything, I just say, take a deep breath. It's a 17-game it's a, it's, it's a season. Um, and in the first part of the season, there was a lack of, uh, a lack of depth at D-line for, for us. You know, our, our, our starters that we looked forward to were, were sort of out of it. David was gone for six games. Marcus was gone for, what, like four of those six games? Um, so you can see what happens when we have our, our full depth and, and, you know, our, our full depth of starters and um, the focus isn't able to just be shifted on one person. I, I could tell you the first part of that season, I was catching more doubles and triples than I, I think I'd ever seen before. Um, but that's just a personal gripe. When it comes down to it, we were winning, and whatever it takes to win, we'll do that. So the answer would be no frustration. I'm on full tilt because, again, I came to this league as a run stopper. You're not just going to define me by being a pass rusher. If I went sta- if I went sackless for the year, I know I played the hell out of that run. <laughs> but Marley was interesting. He said that, right? He threw in there. He was like, I, I don't think you guys realize the doubles and triple teams. I think we hear that enough, and I probably have been guilty of explaining it off as, fine, you've gotten doubled and tripled before, but you still – Sack the quarterback. Why not this year? Uh, is that easier said than done, man? Shedding a double team. It is easier said than done, Gus. I mean, for the folks that's being critical of this, let's just do math. Let's say Cam weighs about two seventy five, two eighty five, right? The average offensive lineman in the in the, in the NFL is three hundred pounds. So let's say, for instance, he's going against a three hundred twenty pound lineman, right? And, okay, Cam plays defensive end. Let's bring a tight end to the mix. You know, the average tight end weighs about 250. So you're sitting here telling me Cam's taking on 650 to 700 pounds and he's only 285? That's tough. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it, it's automatic, you know. So and we teach this all the time at Conquer Sports. It's about anchoring the double team, you know, sitting on that bar stool and getting them on two different levels and splitting it. That's not easy to do it. And for Cam to be consistent with that, because let's the average person watching the game, they're never looking at the offensive defense line. I challenge our listeners right now, take a few series and just watch the big guys up front, watch them work. And you will see, like Cam mentioned, they had a lot of injuries on the front line. So 
of course, okay, we have a less experienced defensive end on this side. Let's double Cam and have the one-on-one to the less experienced side. And that's what happened to Cam a lot. That's why I brought up the Junior Gallette deal because when you have two dominant defensive ends, right. um, you, you can't just say, oh, we're going to double one because the other one's going to eat. So I, I think, you know, if, if folks look at it from that perspective as the defensive line and, and what he was able to do in the run stop, because where Cam wasn't getting sacked, he was, he was getting tackled. So, I mean, he's a solid, and for teams looking for a solid, Three, four defensive end that can that can hold stout or uh, a pass rusher off the edge like the Saints mm-hmm. have him as a four three guy. Cam does that. He can do that for anyone. Speaking with Marlon Favor, right? A big Fave five four is the way to follow over on Twitter. So let let's kind of take it to another perspective. Staying where you are on the side of the football field on that D line, how hungry do you get, or do you need to watch how you eat? When you know you're about to face a quarterback seeing his first NFL snaps, it's believed that it likely will be Ian Book with Taysom Hill and Trevor Simeon going to the COVID list that's going to start on Monday. Can you get overly excited? Like, as a play caller, am I maybe using that a bit? Am I sitting here at home thinking, Marlon can't wait to kick off. He's feeling a five-sack performance, so that first play of the game we're doing an opposite rollout here. Fake the handoff left. I'm rolling right, whoop, right behind you, you know, to a cutting tight end or something. Like, like, can I use that anticipation? But in reality, how hungry are you when you face a first-time QB? Well, the hunger is there because you, you have a guy that really hadn't experienced the speed of this game from that, from that level. But with a coach like Coach Sean Payton, he does a good job at getting his guys easy, uh, you know, easy plays drawing up for the week, stuff that works for them. I'm pretty sure um, from the defensive coordinator standpoint, Coach Coach Brian Flores and those guys over there are watching a lot of Notre Dame film from last year and seeing the type of throws that Ian Book is accustomed to making and seeing just because that's all he has. So that's the pros and the cons, right, Gus? You know, the cons are you have a young guy, He's going in there. Um, he, he hasn't started a game this year. You have some preseason film on him, but the you know the, the pros to it for Coach Payton, I have my young guy going in here, but they don't know what plays I'm gonna have them do because they don't have any film on him from the season. So you, you have a guy in Ian Book, in my opinion, under Brian under Brian Kelly's uh, um, team, took him to the to the uh, to the college football playoffs, right. mobile. I like I like the draft pick when they brought him in because he's a guy who's accustomed to winning in college. So you know I, I'm a defensive lineman. I'm licking my chops because I know I have a younger guy um, that may hold the ball a little longer, and you know that that could be a stat game for me. So it works both ways, Dust. How important is that? You mentioned it. Mike Triplett's mentioned it as well, and a lot of people uh, that cover the Saints have said the Saints said it was one of the important aspects when they drafted him, having one in college at a decent level and, you know, a decent level. It's Notre Dame. So, I mean, but that aspect of winning and, and being legit a winner of winning games, how important do you think that is to translate to the next level? That's huge. I mean, you, you've seen what it's done for the Bengals, the Cincinnati Bengals. Yeah. They went from a losing franchise to a winning franchise by bringing in winner, winning players. So when you bring a guy in that, that's accustomed to winning, the formula is there. They know what, what it took to get there. They knew – uh, the type of approach to make and their confidence is higher. So case in point, uh, unfortunately this, this didn't happen for me this way, but it did for my teammates. You know, Glenn Dorsey and Tyson Jackson, those guys being able to come in and be starters automatically in the NFL, it was a bit of an adjustment for the speed, but not that much because we won a lot of games in college. So they went against a lot of the guys that we were playing against, we may have played against as sophomores, and juniors, and now they're second- and third-year guys in the NFL. So being able to go against Power 5 elite talent plays a major role, especially for a guy like Ian Book, who has played in college football playoff games, played against the Alabamas of the world, Michigans of the world, and and have won, you know, has developed um, a winning um, attitude. So I think that translates over as well to the league, and and in some cases it, it, it really helps teams like us who needs a guy to come in and accustomed to winning. All right, so when you take a look at this game, look, we're going to talk again Monday on game day uh, of what had happened. So I want to wrap up with this other aspect of it, though, Marlon. Uh, A&M, we find out this week, they, they literally, they, they're, not, they're not going to play their bowl game because of COVID. 
Michigan went ahead and boosted uh, their entire team. Two coordinators for Alabama, including Bill O'Brien, offensive coordinator, had tested positive this week. And then the college football playoff comes out this week and says, Marlon, I think it was yesterday, they said, hey, if you test positive and can't play in a game, that's a forfeit in the semifinal. In the national championship game, if you can't play, they will postpone it to the following weekend. And if you can't play, that's a forfeit. If both teams can't play, it's a vacated championship. One way, shape, or form next month, the season's coming to an end, Mark. Yeah, it, 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 it's getting there. And, and it's one of those situations where people might be trying to make their own bubble, Gus. <laughs> just trying to really uh, keep their guys away from everybody else. I know that's the way those statements possibly think it. I hear you. Marlon Favorite, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays to you, sir, and your family. Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays to you and your family in New Orleans. Merry Christmas. There he is. Hello, somebody from old St. Marlon. <laughs> I could see him absolutely dressing up as Santa Claus. Leo Agri, next on ESPN New Orleans. Christmas. With a heavy Christmas card I write. May your days, may your days, may your days be merry and bright. And may all your Christmases be white. Your life is mobile. So is your bank. As a state bank and trust company account holder, you can check your balances, view transactions, transfer funds, and pay bills anywhere or anytime with state bank and trust companies online banking or mobility app. Call or stop by any state bank and trust location for all the details. State bank and trust company, Cajun Banking, served just the way you like it. Member FDIC. Within days of Hurricane Ida making landfall, Lady of the Sea Community Pharmacies were up and running, providing vital medication to our patients and visitors. Lady of the Sea Community Pharmacy staff are trained in finding you the lowest cost available on your medications. Stop by with your prescriptions or medicine bottles and let us review your options with you. Located in Rouse's Supermarket on Highway 3235 in the Rose or at the Lady of the Sea Medical Clinic in Cutoff, we treat you like family at Lady of the Sea. You want to feel important. You want to be a part of something bigger, something that matters and can help change things. You want to feel like you belong. We know. We felt that way, too. And that's why we did something about it. We aren't just Army National Guard soldiers. We are normal people just like you. And together, we can make a difference. Take on your legacy. Visit NationalGuard.com to find out more. Sponsored by the Louisiana Army National Guard. Aired by the Louisiana Association of Broadcasters and this station. That man's got some stones. Believe me, he is no wood. His legend lives on. Now back to The Sports Hangover with Gus Kattengau. Mr. Leo Haggerty joins us on Mondays and Fridays throughout the football season. And, well, there's no show tomorrow. So we got him today. Thank you, Leo, for your time. How are you? I am fine, Gus, and in case I forget, Merry Christmas to you and all the little uh, cat and gals. Yeah, I hear you, man. Merry Christmas to you as well. Happy holidays. Um, Let's start with, uh, I guess, obviously the news of the day. I, I, I said at the beginning of the show, right before I said that the Saints quarterbacks, Taysom Hill and Trevor Simeon, will go on the COVID list, that I'm honestly not surprised by anything anymore. I, I'm not. I mean, are you surprised by this now when you follow the Saints season this year? Gus, it's, it's like you're afraid to answer the phone if you're the Saints right now because it's just one catastrophe after the next. But, Gus, let, I'll tell you what, the NFL's going to have to start figuring this out real quick. That if these guys, again, if these guys are vaccinated and they're getting it, they're getting the flu. <laughs> What's the sense of having being vaccinated? Okay, I test positive for this, but I have no symptoms. And, again, they're... Bruce Arians hit the nail on the head the other day. They asked Bruce, should these guys play if they're asymptomatic? He said, absolutely, if they're asymptomatic. There's nothing wrong with them. So, again, the, the Saints, uh, I'm just wondering if they're going to move the game to Tuesday, Gus, because they moved a couple games for this. Funny you say that because Cam Jordan said he felt like he could have played essentially. Mark Ingram said it was a post-nasal drip at, at, at best. Um 
think Cole Beasley, the Bills, is kind of along the same lines as well. Now, look, it affects everybody differently. The flu affects everybody differently from that. But I, I do feel, like I said, it was interesting this week. Stephen A. Smith announces on first take while he's doing his show he has COVID. Now, he hasn't been on since, but he did his show that day. So, you know, do you need to sit out the 10 days? Do you not need to sit out the 10 days? And that's kind of a, of a tricky thing, right? As in, well, is it that you sit out the contagious period? How long is it the contagious period? And if you feel like you're capable of going out there, do you go out there? That's going to be some interesting questions as we move on, because it's not going away, Leo. No, it's not. And uh, I, I had a conversation today with the, one of our people, and I said, look, if, if we don't start to move on from this, five years from now, we're going to be into the 10th variant. And because people haven't gotten vaccinated, because this, we just got a problem. And again, I'm going to go back to the original statement. What are they showing in terms of symptoms? And again, because to you and me, it's a different disease. To these guys who are in great shape, it's a different thing. And again, look at the NBA. The NBA is going to play through it. They're not going to cancel games. They're just going to say, okay, fine. We're going to play through it. The NFL just needs to say, okay, fine. Let's move on. And I give Baker Mayfield a lot of credit. He came out and said, look, why are we testing people that have been vaccinated? And, again, that's the question that somebody's got to answer. Because if they're doing that, maybe this vaccine ain't working. A lot of people with a lot of opinions and feelings as to how it's going to go, not just not, um, Leo, you know, playing or not. Uh, I mean, like, Sean Payton, hey, Doug, I guess what, what I'm getting at is this, like, Sean Payton may or may not be back Monday. I, I, the belief is he is, but you don't know, and I'm being told is just, well, there's this, this protocols I need to get. Nick Sirianni coached the game on Monday, like, in in front of everybody by everybody and in tuesday morning he's positive so i i don't know man i it, it's sort of like did he give it to the whole team or, or is it kind of like you're saying where we're at this variant where the tests will show you have it but it's essentially i mean i i've been around locker rooms and coaches and by no means am i comparing the two things but i have heard coaches cough and sniffle and look like rudolph with their red nose and hocking loogies you know when when they have the the winter colds, the winter flu, and are still playing and coaching, you know? So I kind of wonder if that's maybe where we'll go next sports season in the fall. If you got it, it, it's like a cold. It's up to you to play or if it's up to your team doctor or whatever, huh? Yeah, it's it's got to – I wrote this in my column, Gus. we got to move forward not in fear but in what we know. And what we know is people are getting this but they're not dying. That's, that's, to me, that's the flu. And again, I, I may be hurting a bunch of people's feelings or just, you know, not being a, a woke guy, as they say, but let's be honest. we got to move on as a country. It's gotten to a point now where, okay, if you decided not to get the vaccine, all right, you're living day to day. That's your call. You made that decision. For the people that got the vaccine and then they test positive and, and that happens, well, guess what? <laughs> it, it's the flu to them. Why did they get the vaccine? Why did they get the booster? Okay, they test positive, they got the flu. Yeah. End of story. Yeah. No doubt. Uh, I guess uh, we'll see. Uh, from my standpoint, I am vaccinated and booster, so I'll let you know if I get it, <laughs> what it's like. Um, we got some games doing the division that have to go. Lions and Falcons. That is going to be Sunday at noon, Atlanta's a five-and-a-half-point favorite. Is this a dangerous game for Arthur Smith? Oh, boy. It, 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 it's a real dangerous game because the Falcons are either playing just well enough to win or just well enough to lose. It's it's a crazy thing watching the Falcons because they, they're just <laughs> – they're kind of playing up to the competition, and then when they get to the fourth quarter, okay, do they have it or do they not? And again, this this is Falcons are a dangerous team because guess what? They're just figuring out how to use number eight as a tight end. Mm-hmm. And Matt Ryan is still a very good quarterback. So yeah, you you better figure out 
How are you going to stop uh, Cordell? How are you going to stop Matt Ryan? And if you don't, you may end up on the wrong side of the dash on the scoreboard. The team that you follow, sir, the Tampa Bay Yuccaneers, are at Carolina. Uh, Panthers five and nine. Bucks, of course, as you know, ten and four. Tampa a ten point favorite here. Now Le'Veon Bell signed with the team yesterday. What's the latest with Antonio Brown? Is he playing this week? Uh, they are going to play him this week. Uh, they don't know how many snaps they're going to see. Uh, what he what he has in the tank, and uh, the nice thing is he's rested. Uh, he should be able to play probably 25, 30, 35 snaps, and uh, that that'll be what's determining what happens with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Because I, I don't think Mike Evans is going to play. We know Godwin's out. We know Fournette's out. So uh, they're going to have to lean a little bit on the defense. And again, their secondary dust is being held together by a band aid. They got people hurt. They got people sick. It's it's just uh, <laughs> the bottom line is you're ten and four. Now we're going to see. Gus, I made the statement earlier in the week that there's a possibility this team may not win another game going to the playoffs. Yeah, you told they me. They got that. Carolina twice. They got the Jets on the road up in in uh, New Jersey in probably bad weather, and this team is notorious for not playing well in the cold. Mm-hmm. And again. You got number twelve in there, but he's missing a lot of weapons. The good news is he's got a chance to get ready this week. The bad news is he still doesn't have a lot of weapons. Hmm. Leo, what? I, I'm listening to Matt Rule this week, and he says Cam Newton's going to start, but that Sam Darnold is healthy and he will play this week. What is going on over there, Gus? That's just a little bit of coaching. Uh, Pizzazz to get a defensive coordinator to prepare for two guys. I, I would be seriously shocked to see Sam Darnold play or to see Cam Newton play after one series. He's going to go with one guy, but he's going to have a defensive coordinator for the opposition to have to prepare for two. This is this is just <laughs> coaching one on one. You know, get the guy to prepare for two guys, even though you know what you're doing. So, okay, so you, you think that's what, what's happening? All right. I, I, I'm hoping that's what happened. If not, you got a coach that's definitely throwing spaghetti on the wall and seeing what sticks. I, I'm more, I think that's more of what is happening. I mean, I honestly, it's Joe Brady's fault. No, the offense still stinks. Oh, it's Cam Newton's fault. He didn't make the right read on fourth and one. Well, after reviewing the tape, it was the bad call and he made the right read. Well, never mind. It's, it, and, and now this week it's, well, we'll start this guy and play the other. That's Matt Rule in the last three weeks. Sounds like a coach who's uh, has no clue what's going on, doesn't it, Gus? Yeah, exactly. No doubt. All right, so who wins that game? I'll tell you what, Gus. I think it's going to be really close. Really? You I think, think it's a, close? Oh, I think it's definitely. I, I'm taking Carolina in the points. Absolutely. I think it comes down to a field goal. I think it's going to be 27-24 Buccaneers. But I wouldn't be surprised if it's flipped. Wow, that's crazy. You think it'd be that close, though? But um, look, Monday, the Saints and Dolphins. Obviously, as we touched on the, the COVID situation at the beginning of this segment, though. But as far as the game goes, what do you think of Tua? What do you think of Miami? And I think Ian Book is not going to be horrible. I, I, I mean, not much worse than what we've seen the Saints' offense do the last couple of weeks. To be honest with you, so how do you see this game playing out on Monday? I'll tell you what, guys, if the Tampa Bay Buccaneers get beat, look for the Saints really to have a great effort. Now, I'm not saying they're not going to have a great effort, win or lose, but all of a sudden they see a little bit of a light at the end of the tunnel where they may be able to sneak back in. But, again, the thing with both teams is their defense. Uh, I don't think I've seen a better defensive effort by a team against Tampa Bay in the two years Brady's been here. Again, it, I, I sat through the 33-3 to last year, but uh, this this was phenomenal. And if they can play that man coverage against Miami and make Tua hold the ball like they made Brady hold the ball, I think the Saints win. Again, it's not going to be about the offense, and you're going to be able to get a lot more out of your running backs. You're going to be able to get a lot more out, out of your tight ends. 
I think it's all going to down to defense. I think the Saints win. It, it ain't going to be pretty, Gus. It's going to probably, probably be 19-16 Saints. I, I, look, I, I don't expect pretty anymore when it comes to the Saints offense. Um, and I, I think Saints fans, Leo, quite honestly, would just be okay with a win, to be honest with you, whether it's pretty or not. And it is interesting. I'll leave you with this. I said it to Mike Triplett from ESPN and joined us earlier. It's hard to believe that I'm sitting here on December 23rd and I say, Leo, the New Orleans Saints have won one football game in the city of New Orleans this season. It was Tampa Bay. That's it. Wow. Gus, I didn't know that. That's amazing because that's, that's got to be probably next to Kansas City, the greatest home field advantage I've seen yep. just because of the noise factor. But, uh, again, I think that changes Monday night. I, I think you're going to – we're definitely going to see what Tua's made out of because they're not force-feeding him. He's being – it's a very vanilla offense right now. They're depending upon their defense. But again, uh, if, if Saints fans show up, which 99% of the time they will, it's going to be loud, it's going to be crazy, and it's going to be Monday night. There you go. Leo Haggerty, as always, man, appreciate the time. We'll talk again next week. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays to you. Same to you, guys. Take care. Be safe. Yep, for sure. Take care. Uh, quick break. Final segment before Matt Moscone and after further review. You want to chime in? You got probably about a minute, two minutes. Give me your take. Sports Hangover on ESPN New Orleans. On the range. Bells are ringing, children singing, all is merry and bright. So hang your stockings and say your prayers, cause Santa Claus comes tonight. Here comes Santa Claus, here comes Santa Claus. Happy holidays from Greg LeBlanc Toyota. It's a festive time of year, and you can celebrate with fresh new inventory arriving daily. There's great holiday deals at Greg LeBlanc. Amazing stocking stuffers like Keys to the all-new redesigned 2022 Tundra. It may be cold outside, but these holiday deals are red hot and won't last long. Greg LeBlanc Toyota, South Hollywood Road in Homa, or online at GregLeBlancToyota.com. Santa may have the sleigh, but Greg's got the holiday deals. Shop now. The cleanup continues from the recent storms, and we want you to know that nobody can get a metal roof or metal building to you faster than Reed's Metals in Brookhaven. For all your metal building components, Reed's Metals has it all in stock. Roll-up doors, insulation, skylights, purlins, and more. Our metal building frames are American-made steel, all put together by certified welders. Metal buildings and everything you need with quick delivery, too. When you call Reed's Metals in Brookhaven, 601-823-6516 or online at reedsmetals.com. At Thibodeau Regional, we're proud to announce we've received HealthGrade's 2017 Outstanding Patient Experience and Patient Safety Excellence Awards. What's more, we're the only hospital in Louisiana to achieve both awards four years in a row. Why should this matter? Because it confirms two things, our commitment to quality and your satisfaction. Both very important when it comes to your family's health care. Thibodeau Regional, once again recognized by Health Grades for providing outstanding quality care. For more info, go to Thibodeau.com. It's 106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. Now back to the Sports Hangover with Gus Kattengau. Welcome back, 800-998-1003. If you'd like to chime into the conversation here, top of the hour, Matt Moscona. Now, after further review, you know, we were talking about that with Leo Haggerty. Now, look, I understand. I, I think there's some context, even though I still think it is a remarkable thing to say that the Saints have only won one football game this season in New Orleans, and, and that is the game against Tampa Bay. First home game of the year was the Giants. They lost. Beat Tampa Bay. Lost to the Falcons. Lost to the Bills and Cowboys and now play the Dolphins. Again, I think there's context. The Giants, you should have won that game. You played poorly. You played really well against the Bucks. I mean, remarkable when you think about it too. You lose, you lost your starting quarterback in the first quarter. You absolutely laid an egg though against the Falcons. I don't even know if it's laying it. You didn't play well. You had no energy. You just, you got out coached, out skied, just bad. It's bad. Here's where the context part comes in. You had barely a football team of NFL caliber talent 
take to the field in the opening introductions, as Larry Holder said the following week, that the Saints should never introduce the Saints offense with that people because people didn't know in the stands to clap, and they didn't know who they were. You know? Dolphins. I mean, that, the Bills. So that, that was an undermanned. I mean, that, that was going to be tough for you to win that game. Cowboys. Despite what ESPN's NFL guys or first take guys or get up guys are trying to tell you, they're 10 and four. They're not a bad football team. They have a ton of talent. Michael Parsons on the defense on the Pro Bowl team. Like, they're not a bad football team. And if you watched that game against the Saints, you saw what it was like to actually have receivers help out their QB. And, you know, Ellie, I mean, like, they, they have, they have talent. And it was Taysom Hill's first start since I can't even remember. I'm talking about like playing. He missed five weeks from playing. He was concussed or whatever. Didn't, you know, we wouldn't clear it for three. Then he played two weeks as the backup without seeing a snap. Then you asked him to start. That's, that's a tough, that's a tough chore. Okay. And so, so now here's Miami. Well, in this game on Monday, the, the Saints are, you know, going into this game without the starting quarterback from last week who was set to start this week in Taysom Hill. Trevor Simeon, who started games, he's out. And now you're going to a rookie who's never played a down in the NFL of meaningful football. While I do think he can handle it to an extent of what you can expect, and I do think he's going to do as good a job as you probably can expect. Like, I, I again, just from my few practices I've watched, and I know practice is different than the game against the Dolphins defense. I understand that. I do. He's going to make some mistakes. He's going to miss some reads. May throw an interception, Right? Um, but I think he's going to make some plays that'll make you go, huh? Interesting, right? But look again, you're only putting them in right now at this time, at this game, at this juncture of the season because you literally don't have another quarterback. I know over the last couple of weeks have been Saints fans saying put him in, do all that. You can't do that with a chance to go to the playoffs with your starting tackles missing, with your receiving core really not being something you depend on with your tight ends dropping the ball. I mean, what do you expect that guy to do with that talent? Again, if on today's injury report, you see Ryan Ramchek and Teron Armstead at least limited, it's a good sign. I love to see full participation. It'd be really nice to be able to get... those players to help protect, to help pass block, to help run block for Alvin Kamara and such, right? And I do think the uh, game plans can be smart. So we'll talk about all that and more on Monday. Have a Merry Christmas and have a happy holiday over the weekend. We'll see you on Monday for Saints and Dolphins. Matt Muscone after further views up next. You've been listening to the Sports Hangover on ESPN New Orleans. Pelicans Magic tonight at 6 right here on your home for Pelicans basketball. Adios.